the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to a Thursday edition, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, sad news to start off with today. As you all know, who have listened to my show for any length of time, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. I played baseball all the way until I was uh, 22 years old in college and then uh, threw out my shoulder. And uh, back in the day, uh, they couldn't do the kind of work with a scalpel. Uh, that they can do now and and fix shoulders and things of that nature. So my my uh, baseball career was over. Uh, but uh, you know I love the game. I still love the game. I like to watch it. Uh, I can watch it on television. I, I watch how they move the fielders around. I keep up on players. All of that. Yeah, I pay attention to box scores. I read box scores and. Uh, that's why I can say today I'm saddened by the death of Tom Seaver yesterday. Other than Bob Gibson, probably the greatest pitcher I ever saw take the mound. And I have seen a lot of pitchers in my time. Just a great, great pitcher. And during a time when the, when the ball was given to the pitcher, he was expected to go out and throw a CG or a complete game. I mean, Tom Seaver in 1969, the year that the Miracle Mets won the World Series, Tom Seaver went 25-7. and seven. What they don't do is break that down, and in the last uh, month of last month and a half of the season, the Mets went 32-10. and 10. Tom Seaver went 8-0. and oh. He won all eight starts, he pitched eight complete games, and he had an ERA of 1.0. Holy cow. And that's when the mound, you know, was a little higher. It gave him a little extra for a fastball, but he didn't have an above-average fastball. Uh, he was able to put the ball where he wanted to put it when he pitched. He's just, uh, it was an amazing baseball player, and I'm sorry to hear uh, that he passed away at 75. I, I think that, that that's kind of uh, medium age now. I don't even think that's old anymore, but I understand that he was suffering from a form of dementia, and, and that's sad as well. So for Tom Seaver and his, uh, his family, uh, hail and farewell. He was a great, great baseball player. And for you who remember him uh, like I do, 
you know how great he really, really was. You can go on uh, on the Internet, and they've got, like, this thing about Tom Seaver where it shows him throw a fastball, curveball, and a slider, and that ball is just jumping all over the place. And as a former pitcher, I'm amazed by the guy. But I'm always amazed that those pitchers in the day, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, you know, a complete game was considered necessary. You were supposed to do that. Bob, Seaver, Bob Gibson was the same way. Give him the ball. He'll, he'd, you know, he'd stay out there and, and battle you. He wanted to beat you. I mean, Bob Gibson was so great that uh, he had such a great ERA uh, during the 60s that they lowered the pitching mound by six inches. That should tell you a little bit about his greatness. All right. Anyway, with that said, let's get into uh, talking about politics because there's some things to talk about politics today. J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group is here. It is Thursday at 6 o'clock. These guys join me every Thursday at 6 o'clock now. And Seth Mays is with us. And Seth is with the uh, Arkansas GOP. Good to have him along with us. A story broke on Monday thanks to Jason Tolbert. Uh, Jason is a friend of this show. Jason writes the Tolbert Report. Uh, it is a, uh, um, uh, you know, a blog. He keeps up on uh, things that are going on in the world of politics. And he wrote about a meeting with the Election Commission in Pulaski County and some questions that were asked about absentee ballots. And with an absentee ballot, you're supposed to look at the address. You're supposed to look at uh, several different things. But one of the things you have to verify is the signature page. And um, it came to light during this meeting uh, on Monday that I think they said they had gotten something like 9,300 absentee ballots. And uh, one of the members of the commission was a Democrat, and uh, they they made the statement that they had not uh, looked at all of these uh, absentee ballots uh, and made sure that the uh, uh, signature was correct. And that is very disconcerting to me. I want everybody to understand, I'm talking absentee ballots. I'm not talking, quote, mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots, when you hear that today, that is a totally different wild jungle animal uh, compared to absentee ballots. Voting by absentee ballot is in and of itself not a bad thing. I don't have as much problem with it, but I really do have problem when I hear that they're allowing uh, absentee ballots to be uh, okay, the ballot to be okayed when they haven't even checked the signature page. And then Seth Mays, when they call voters, some voters, legacy voters. Why don't you explain to everybody what a legacy voter is? Sure. Good morning, Dave. A legacy voter is somebody who was registered decades and decades and decades ago. And the county clerk here in Pulaski County would make the case, well, on some of these voters, we don't have their signature information to compare to, you see, because they were grandfathered into this into this new system. So we just don't have the adequate information. And really, the case made from the clerk up to this point is that they just don't have quote, the manpower to be doing these checks, and which, of course, I would just note, it's not an optional uh, item on the agenda whether or not you do these checks. It is, by law, uh, what you have to do. And so yesterday, 
the Republican Party of Arkansas, Chairman Doyle Webb, sent by certified mail. So hopefully at some point today, Terry Hollingsworth herself will have to sign for this. And if you don't mind, I'll just read it to you here in part what it says. I write concerning the 2020 elections taking place on November 3rd, 2020, and the runoff in December of 2020. There have been allegations made publicly or on social media that the clerk's office is not checking the voters, quote, signature from the registration records, end quote, as required by law. And the law is cited here, but I will not cite it now. This is the formal request of the Republican Party of Arkansas that your office follow the law concerning checking the voter's signature on all applications for absentee ballots. This check must be made to compare the signature on the application for the absentee ballot with the signature in the voter registration records, even if the application is made by electronic means, email, or fax. This is also the formal request of the Republican Party of Arkansas that your office follow the law concerning recording all absentee ballot applications in the electronic voter registration system within two business days after receipt. So that electronic system is what the Secretary of State now requires all of the counties to do, requires, not suggest, not, boy, wouldn't it be nice if you did it, but requires. And I would just make a note that any time a party sends you a letter reminding you of something that you have to do every two days, you can probably bet that they'll be checking to make sure that it is done every two days. Well, you know, I think that that was a uh, a great letter from the uh, uh, the chairman of the Arkansas GOP because the integrity of our elections is uh, of the utmost uh, you know, responsibility of uh, making sure that we're having fair elections in the state of Arkansas. I went back and was reading the report that James Baker and Jimmy Carter did about mail-in voting. Now, that that's totally different than absentee voting and the problems with mail-in voting because I'm 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 trying to remind myself why I hate mail-in voting so much and and I after reading their report now I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt I hate mail-in voting. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of absentee voting although there are more ways to make sure an absentee ballot uh, is correct than there will ever be in a mail-in uh, ballot. And, Jr. let me j- suck you into this as well. I mean, you're out there with the Gilmore Group. You all work with candidates. Uh, this has got to make a candidate nervous when he's seeing that the people that are in charge of elections sound like they're not doing their job. Well, you know, Dave, I think really to me the biggest takeaway of all this and sort of my first reaction was just sort of the kind of ho-hum attitude um, uh, from the gentleman that was quoted there in in, uh, uh, Jason Tolbert's report um, that regardless of whether you think everything is fine, I think being able to take it seriously uh, for those that do find this to be very troubling, um, that's what 
probably bothered me the most. I mean, I, I agree with you. Look, you know, I think Terry Hollingsworth is quoted in another story uh, last week that, you know, at this, you know, I think it was like last Thursday at this point, you know, four years ago, there was about 1,500 requests for absentee ballots. Uh, now it's well over 10,000, uh, yeah. probably more. This was a week ago. Uh, it's 550% jump from 2016. And so when you have numbers like that, uh, voters and just, you know, the general public wants wants to know that you're following the law, as Seth said, and that people are actually, um, you know, that, that people are in charge that are actually making sure that what's being requested uh, is accurate um, and that, you know, uh, the simple verification process of matching the signatures is being done. Um, this is, you know, this is our system of democracy. This is uh, the most sacred thing we do uh, as Americans. And so it should be done correctly uh, and it should be protected from any fraud. And again, I'm not someone that, you know, stands up and screams fraud with, you uh, uh, with you know, with generally with our with our voting system at all, um, but I think just this example alone, I think really, um, you know, it, it's easy to see where this can be manipulated, um, and another opportunity for uh, a backdoor win for Democrats. And let me just say this one last thing too, Dave. Look, for anyone to think that, you know. First of all, Democrats 100% believe that this absentee uh, ballot situation where we are in COVID-19 benefits them wholly, right? Why do they believe that? That's the question we first have to ask. Why do they believe that? Makes you wonder just a little bit. Number two, um, this is not the first attempt uh, by Democrats to sneak in a win uh, in, in Arkansas, as far as an election goes, we saw it with the redistricting measure uh, that was knocked off the ballot. We saw it with the jungle primary measure that was knocked off the ballot. There's attempt after attempt after attempt to, you know, sort of win an election in this backdoor way. Uh, and we've seen that from Democrats now three times in the 2020 cycle. And so, you know, it, it's it's starting to become uh, exhaustive one, uh, but also it starts to make you wonder. Yeah, it makes me wonder a lot. And just so everybody will know, uh, as everybody listens to this show, we'll, I'll be back on 12 hours from now for a six o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick show. And I will have Christy Starr with me. She's a commissioner. She is at the heart of the Tolbert uh, story on his blog. And she's going to join me and tell us exactly what went down. And it was one of the uh, other folks, one of the clerks that told her that they grandfathered these people in. And as uh, uh, we heard uh, from uh, uh, Seth Those are called legacy voters. Well, where I grew up at, outside of Chicago, that's called a dead person. Okay, I'm I'm just going to tell you, that's a a dead person who's voting in many cases. And I am really, really concerned about what I'm hearing here 
about what's going on in Pulaski County. Why am I concerned about it? Well, Pulaski County is the most Democrat county uh, here in central Arkansas. It is where, for instance, when the voting comes up in, on November 3rd, uh, you know, uh, Joyce Elliott will expect to get thousands of votes to be counted for her in her attempt to unseat uh, French Hill, our congressman in the second district. So it's imperative that the Pulaski County uh, uh, voting system is as pure as we can possibly make sure it is. And I'm with you, Jr. That whole lackadaisical attitude that I heard really plays raw on me. And um, I guess it's because I grew up with this kind of BS left and right when I was a kid. And I can remember it happening then. I can remember it happening in other elections during the time I was growing up. And now I don't want to see it uh, as I'm, uh, quote, an elder statesman, it happening here in the state of Arkansas. J.R. Davis, Seth Mays with us. We'll get a break in. Then we got more for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about this here. Uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back on our morning show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Right now, traffic's looking good. Weather is going to be a little drier today, just so you'll know. Temperature will be moderate out a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll have your local news uh, from Channel 7 here uh, in the near future as well. So all that's to come up. Our guest, J.R. Davis, he is with the uh, Gilmore Group. And uh, also on the line with us is Seth Mays. He's from the Arkansas GOP. They join us every Thursday. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Rod- Rodney Leatherman will be on. We're going to talk AC, and uh, we're going to talk uh, heating. going to talk about how to keep your bills down. That's an important concept if you own a house, let me tell you. And then in uh, our 6 o'clock hour, tonight christy stair is going to be with us uh christy is a has been uh, one of those workers in the background and kind of got thrust into the the limelight on monday by jason tolbert and the tolbert report and this uh, back and forth during the election commission meeting that occurred uh on monday so she's going to join us and she'll give us the long and skinny of that can't wait christy's a great person 26 minutes after six on this thursday uh Seth, let me start with you this segment and just ask you to talk about some of the things that you are concerned about as you see uh, this story starting to play out in the media. One big thing that plays out here that concerns me is that uh, other than this radio show, I don't know if I've even heard a local TV station um, mention this. I know that the Demgas has, but... I, when I read their stories, it's kind of, eh, uh, kind of thing. So I'll let you pick up on that. Sure. I think, you know, most of the general public at large probably won't hear anything on this, and that's unfortunate until there may be some legal action taken closer to the election. Uh, just for some context, Dave, I, I think one of the underlying themes here, probably the underlying theme, is just the integrity of the ballot. And that we know that every vote is a valid vote, that it, that it is one vote, one, one person, one vote, uh, not multiple votes, and that people are who they say they are. And these absentee ballots are coming from where they say 
that they are coming from. And I think to a larger extent, we've seen a number of efforts. JR alluded to this in the last segment with some ballot initiatives. The, the Republican Party and Arkansans for Transparency had defeated from the ballot. But we just see election cycle after election cycle, these attempts to do through other means what some people cannot do at the ballot box, which is win. We were talking about the Election Commission. All of Arkansas's 75 counties have three election commissioners, two Republicans and one Democrat. And that is because the Republican Party of Arkansas is identified as the majority party. In Arkansas law, the majority party used to be the office of the governor. And, of course, that worked for the Democrats up until we elected a Republican governor in Winthrop <laughs> Rockefeller. But then they wanted to change the rules, and the majority party is was no longer defined as the office of the governor, but as the majority of constitutional officers. You see, because when Winthrop Rockefeller was governor, Democrats still held all of the other offices, right? That's this right. charismatic, uh, very wealthy, well-off, well-known civil rights leader was able to get elected governor, but Democrats held everything else. But, of course, now the Republican Party holds all of the seven constitutional offices. So, ergo, we are the majority party and hold two uh, election commissioners to to one Democrat. Okay. But, uh, I need you, I need you hold, your, hold your thought. All right, because sure. we got to get to the news. And when we come back, I'll let you finish. Then, J.R., I'm going to come to you, and then we're going to finish up our discussion on this. Just know that Christy Starr is going to be with us. from the. She's an election commissioner at 6 p.m. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick, J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group, and uh, Seth uh, Mays is with us from the Arkansas GOP here this morning. They join me each Thursday morning. We've been talking about... The upcoming November 3rd election, uh, I was just talking to them off air. The last time we had a general election for president of the United States that didn't have any kind of challenges was 1988. That is when uh, Bush uh, thumped the caucus. So that goes back quite a way since then. It's becoming more and more contentious. And with COVID-19 and with the push that's going on right now uh, by the Democrats to have uh, such a mail-in ballot uh, increase, uh, it's going to get, it, as we said during the break, it, it's going to be a nightmare. Because, look, the federal government does not control our electoral uh, elect uh, election process in the United States that's controlled by state and then each state typically uh, allows each county or election district however they go about determining that to determine uh, election uh, a lot of election different uh, rules and regulation uh, in fact 4400 different uh, people or groups determine an election on a national scale uh, that's fraught as far as i'm concerned by danger and this year even more dangerous uh, than before now we're talking absentee ballot that's different than mail-in ballot i'm going to do a show next week about mail-in ballot i've got somebody that i'm going to have on from the heritage foundation they can go call talk very specifically about mail-in ballots and uh 
I'm just telling you, mail-in ballots, very, very, very dangerous. All right, so let's get back. Uh, you were finishing up uh, some thoughts here, Seth. I'll let you finish them up. Then I'm going to let Jr. finish up, and then there is a couple other things I wanted to talk about during this hour. Go ahead, Seth. Sure. We were just talking about, you know, Democrats so often want to want to change the rules whenever they're not in power. They wanted to change the election commission and who was uh, who sat on that board in all 75 counties. We know they wanted to change the redistricting process here this year. Now that for the first time coming up after this census, the Democrats will not control that process. And the, the last point I was going to make was your guest coming up, Christy Starr, She's not just a run-of-the-mill election commissioner. She actually worked in the Secretary of State's office specifically on absentee ballots. So when Correct. it comes to knowledge about the election commission and absentee ballots, I don't know that there's – well, I'm sure there's not anybody in the state that has worked uh, as closely on this issue as Christie has. All right. Fantastic. Well, Christie will be on at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, I highly uh, recommend that our listeners hear what she has to say and uh, what's uh, we're going to give you what's going on about all of this. Because there's one thing I know. Christy's a is a is a a woman with high integrity and she's not just in a dog whistle here. This is really serious if she's really starting to challenge some of this stuff. Jr., your final thoughts for this subject. Yeah, my final thoughts, just basically, look, we talked about the kind of lackadaisical response uh, from Hollingsworth uh, and others. And look, at the end of the day, this is uh, the most important thing we do as Americans. Um, And so it should be protected. And if you don't think it's a big deal, okay, that's fine. We'll then prove it. Prove that what's supposed to be happening is happening. Um, and it'll go away, and people will stop being concerned about it. But when, when you act like it's not a big deal, it's all going to get worked out, we're not concerned about it, that, that's, not, uh, that's not helping uh, the general, uh, you know, uh, Arkansan paying attention to this. It's losing faith in the, in the process. It's very concerning. Uh, and like we said before, it just feels like another attempt uh, by Democrats to steal back uh, the second district. Yeah, this is a perfect example of when the Democrats say, oh, the Republicans, they're always disenfranchising people. Hey, let me look. Let's take a look at what they're doing. If we if we find out and the Amer- and the Ar- Arkansans find out that one party was trying to skirt an issue of, uh, of voting, and in this case, absentee ballots, and were not checking the ballots correctly, they weren't making sure that they were legitimate, how many people do you think you're going to disenfranchise then? And how yeah. many people are going to you know, think in their minds, well, it doesn't matter if I go to the polls or not? I'm just telling well, you, this, this is the way people thought up in Chicago where I grew up at. And this is the thing, too. I mean, look, in in the last cycle, Democrats thought they had the absolute best candidate to run against French Hill. Um, yeah, they you know, did. Arkansas. And, and uh, Hart Tucker picked up like 59.5% in Pulaski County and still lost by more than 16,000 votes. I think that the Democrats' focus has – you know, since they lost it uh, in 2010 to Tim Griffin, 
their focus has always been, you know, we, or I guess their thought is that if they turn out enough votes in Pulaski County, they could win. Um, uh-huh. In Little Rock proper, like that's always been the goal, and so this just kind of, you know, it makes you raise your eyebrows just a little bit when you're saying, okay, well, you know, that's always been the goal, uh, and now all of a sudden they're up 550 uh, percent in requested <laughs> uh, ballots, and it, it just again, it, uh, maybe there's absolutely nothing to it, and that's certainly fine, but again, prove it because it just looks strange to me. Well, I do think that it is important, and and I think that uh, the Secretary of State, John Thurston, has done a pretty good job. He's been on several times on my show uh, to prove that going to a polling place like you normally would do in any election cycle and casting your ballot is a safe thing to do. I mean, they're going to give you a stylus. They're going to they're going to disinfect uh, the polling places and on and on. And then seeing the stories that have come out here recently about COVID-19 and the CDC saying 90 percent of the people who uh, had it weren't even passing it on to people who didn't have it. Hey, the bottom line is it's going to be, you know, a safe uh, thing to do. Uh, we do know, as we've read the stories and we've heard polling, take polling at, at face value here, is that Republicans are looking forward to going to the polls. Democrats want to vote uh, either by absentee voting or by mail-in voting, which uh, there's going to be all kinds of uh, lawsuits leading up to the election just because we've already seen the fraud of mail-in voting happening here in this country. You know, they had a big commission back uh, in the day with Jimmy Carter and James Baker. They wrote an article. I'll, I'll make sure that I post it on my Facebook page. I'll, I'll make sure that Elizabeth gets it and we'll post it so you can read why they said mail-in voting wasn't the way to go. Now, Jimmy Carter's changed changed his tune since that. But what a big surprise on that, right, Seth? Right, right. <laughs> the whole the whole changing of the tune. And the thing is, Dave, we here at the Republican Party just want to know that this is a fair election. Once again, that it's one person, one vote. That these We know that as it pertains to these absentee ballots, we know where it is. Uh, that they are coming from and that we can verify that. And to your point about voting, let me talk to my my people that want to go to the polls. Listen up. Vote early. I know a bunch of people like to vote on Election Day just because, hey, it's Election Day. It feels very patriotic to really do it on the day. It may make you feel special, but it doesn't give you a second vote, okay? So we encourage everybody to get out and vote as early as possible. You can vote on a Saturday. Typically, that's they don't have as many people on a Saturday, surprisingly, as as during the week. So get out there and vote as soon as possible. And if you are requesting an absentee ballot, go ahead and send that in. You can actually deliver that in person uh, every day except Election Day, because, of course, you're saying you're unavoidably absent. So if you show up to the clerk's office with your absentee ballot, you're disproving (laughs) that you're unavoidably absent. So if you are requesting an absentee ballot, also get that in as soon as possible. Do not stick that in the mail on Election Day. No. The clerk has to have it at 7.30 that night. All right. With that in mind, I want you to clarify something. You said, you know, thinking that it's a a second second vote. Uh, Clarify what you mean by that. Sure. What I'm saying is some people just feel very special by by voting on Election Day. 
And what I'm saying is you may feel special, but that doesn't entitle your vote to mean any more than if you voted on uh, in, in early Two weeks before. People, yeah. Correct. Right. It's all the same. Voting early does not mean your vote counts any less or any more than voting on Election Day. It's all the same. So I just know some people get very stuck in the way about having to vote on Election Day. I'm saying 2020 has been a year like no other. Don't leave anything to chance. Get out and do it early. All right. Since you are working so diligently and closely with the uh, the GOP here in Arkansas, what's the first day of early voting? It's coming up pretty quick. I don't have the exact day. I should know that because you're going to ask. But it will be two weeks before the election, which if I open my calendar, correct, for the general election. And, of course, we don't typically have runoffs in general elections because of the Civil Rights Act. Um, Let me pull this date for you real quick here. But it'll be two weeks before election on Tuesday. October 19th, I believe. First, the first day of early voting. I think you're correct, uh, Jr. Correct. Two weeks is, yep. is early voting begin. I got it on my calendar on my phone. It says early voting begins October 19th, folks. That's not far away. I mean, we're looking what five weeks. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the last day. This is important too. The last day to register is October 5th. Okay. Yeah, get out and register to vote if you want to vote in this election. You got to you got to do that. Maybe I should get everybody on, get John on, and let him talk about all of that as well. Or I could have you on, Seth, and you can sit here and give us sure. chapter and verse about that. All right, we've got about thirteen minutes to the top of the hour. Let's take a break. J.R. Davis and uh, Seth Mays with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. Talk a little national politics when we come back. The Battle of Kenosha. Uh, we had the president there on uh, two, Wednesday, and uh, Biden's going there today. He's actually coming out of his uh, basement. Does that mean we'll have uh, 60 more days of uh, summer? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering. All right. All right, 647 break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, eight minutes remaining here in this first hour. It is eight until seven. We'll have more traffic, weather, and uh, news for you as the morning goes along. Coming up at the 7 o'clock hour, Rodney Leatherman joins us, and we're going to talk about how to save money. like to do that all the time uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, but we're going to talk about your heating and air conditioning and how to cut down on your heating and air conditioning bills. And then at 6 o'clock tonight, the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. No, I don't go all the way through to 6 o'clock. We... I come back on at 6 o'clock, and uh, Christy Starr is going to be with us. She's a Pulaski County election commissioner, and she'll talk about what's going on with the electoral process here in the state of uh, uh, Arkansas as far as Pulaski County is uh, included. Big story breaking right now, guys. Check this out. A retail sports book complete with betting windows and self-serve kiosks is in the works at one of baseball's most iconic venues, Wrigley Field. Hmm. Think about that one for just a few moments. That's a that's a, a totally another hour, sports betting. But to be able to bet on sports and do it at your favorite ballpark, whoo, that's wild. That's, that just blows my mind when I saw yeah. that today. 
So with that in mind, uh, let's talk about national politics these last few moments that we have. Uh, President Trump was in Kenosha uh, here on Tuesday. First time I ever saw a governor say, hey, don't come to my state uh, because you're going to exasperate the problems that we have on the ground. Uh, But Trump came anyway. Uh, He didn't exacerbate anything. He met with the people who uh, were business owners and their and, and lost everything in the rioting and uh, and the fires that went on uh, there in Kenosha. He met with the police uh, in Kenosha as well, telling them that he stood with them, uh, that some changes needed to be made. However, he stood with the police departments. Uh, Joe Biden, who has stayed in his basement most of the time, I, I think this shows that uh, this whole topic of the riots and whatnot going on in the city has turned against the Democratic Party. They've been all about this uh, for months. I mean, we can go back to Maxine Waters uh, outside the Capitol saying that people should be getting in the faces of these uh, Republicans and stuff and screaming and hollering at them uh, about what they are or aren't doing uh, as far as the Democrats are concerned. Uh, And uh, now... They're suddenly saying, oh, whoa, 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 we're not, no, we're not saying we're for rioting or anything, blah, 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 blah. Um, let me get your th- your takes on this. We'll start with Jr. this time. Go ahead, Jr. Well, I mean, I think it kind of uh, encapsulates in a couple of different things here. One is I think it's hysterical when you had Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon just a couple of months back talking about, uh, and that's the, that's the CNN anchors there, talking about um, – you know, uh, making fun of those who thought that these protests were anything but peaceful, yada yada yada. Two months later, they're 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 on TV talking about how man the Democrats really need to address this. It's starting to show up in the polling. The Democrats yeah. really need to address this. Uh, it, it's it's a it, to me. I think Joe Biden. Look, uh, yeah, I think Joe Biden's going to continue to really struggle uh, in these last sixty days. Uh, I think that. Um, the best thing that ever happened to his campaign team was COVID because they could keep him in a basement in Delaware. Uh, there is something wrong with Joe Biden. Uh, I'm not trying to peddle some, you know, conspiracy theory. It just, when you see him talk on the stump, just something does not feel right. Uh, I think we saw it again when he was in Pittsburgh and he couldn't string, you know, uh, a coherent sentence together in about 15 seconds. It was really tough to watch. Uh, and, and now it looks like he is following the president. So the president goes to Wisconsin and now Joe Biden, after making sure everything was, you know, uh, minding your P's and Q's, the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Finally, he's going to Wisconsin. Um, I just I, it just it doesn't feel like the momentum is on the Democrats side nope. at this point, though they'd like for you to believe it is it's not and if you look at the polling in some of these swing states uh trump continues to close the gap he's in a better position than he was in 2016 against hillary clinton uh he's gained five points uh in the last month or so in pennsylvania whereas joe has lost four uh that's those are the key don't look at the national polls look at these these polling numbers coming out of these swing states that's where it's going to happen um, and so, again, I think the Democrats are in a real pickle at this point because they're trying to say they're, they're trying to say the right thing, quote unquote, 
but they know they need to be out there in order to sort of, you know, jazz up some excitement from their base, but they can't. I'm down to 60 seconds. Seth, can you get in what you want to say in 60 seconds? Yes, I sure can. It's just interesting we saw Joe Biden finally take some questions yesterday, and and I, I thought it was interesting. We'll see if it keeps up. But some of, some of those in the media joked, you know, hey, we don't get to have this opportunity very often. You know, we don't have to ask you questions. So I think yeah. I think the Democrats know it. I think CNN knows it. They know that they have to get their candidate out there. That the bunker isn't going to cut it in these final 60 days. Well, I think they know they're going to lose. That's what I think. I think internal polling, and, and I'm not any more cognizant of it than other people. I can just go by. Uh, you know, Liz Harrington says and others here on my show. But I think Republicans internal polling is showing a massive victory for the president. J.R. Davis, thank you so much for being with us today. A great hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Same to you, Seth Mays from the Arkansas GOP. You guys have a rest of a morning that's good. Uh, J.R., you can lay it back down and go take a nap, all right? <laughs> all right, thanks, Dave. Talk to, you, talk to you later, guys. All right, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Leatherman coming on in the next hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. You know that music. You hear it on Saturdays here at The Answer. And uh, Rodney Leatherman's joining us today here on the show because if there's one thing that I know about my listeners, Rodney, they like to save money. And today you're going to give them some information that can help them save on their you know, air conditioning bills, the rest of uh, what summer we have left and on their heating bills as the fall and the winter get underway. How you doing today, Rodney? Doing great. Great to be with Arkansas's talk legend. Voted top 100 most influential talk show host in the country. Yeah, a few times. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> uh, I think uh, over the last 14, 15 years, I've been voted that by Talkers Magazine 12 years time. 12 different times. That's awesome. So it just, it, you know, here's the key. You're, you're kind of like a penny. Uh, you just keep turning up. You know what I'm saying? And I've been uh, as of the 7th, as of Monday, here in uh, the Little Rock area, I will have been on the air for 20 years. And uh, Absolutely. That, that doesn't happen very often uh, in radio. And we've got several guys that have been on the radio for a long time here in Little Rock, you know, Tommy Smith and Bob Robbins and people like that as well. But uh, it's an accommodating market. I love the people in Arkansas. And Rodney, we've known each other for several years. Let's go. Let's. Uh, what's the biggest change that you've seen now in air conditioning and heating? I, I just put a brand new AC heating uh, system in my home about... Uh, six years ago, and I am stunned by it's a Linux, and mm-hmm. I'm stunned. I'm stunned about how how it's even changed over six years. Well, we recently did something over at the website. Drop your energy bill. We put up the cost of living consumer index, the real cost of living. Okay. And they go to the website, click on free resources, drop your energy bill, free resources. 
and they can roll down to that and they can actually see this index. And what it shows is, amazingly, that the real cost of inflation, if you will, the actual increases that you're referencing that everybody experiences that we all deal with, is about 10% annually. 10% increases annually are really happening. Now, this index I consider to be very, very accurate in determining those. It uses 2,500 data points that are taking twice a year. So we we actually have about 5,000 data points that the index uses to determine the accuracy of inflation, the real inflation, not this made-up kind of (laughs) inflation that they keep saying we need more of. Well, you know, when you think about the debasement of the currency, you think about what's going on with the printing of the money and the stimulus and all these other things, really we're more in the real world of what we're going to see going forward, David, about 20% per year. So, yeah, expect in the next five years a doubling of pretty much everything that you spend money for. Now, that's not going to be the case across the board, but they can go to the index and see the actual 500 items that are used to determine what the cost of living index is based on. Now, we've all talked about, I know you've mentioned it, and you and I talked about it in the pre-interview, What's going on in California? Oh, my God. (laughs) Millions of people, millions of people being without electricity again, yet again. Now, you've been on the air, and you remember back in the day when Gray Davis was voted out of office under a recall ballot. And and maybe some of these politicians need to be recalled now. Maybe, Maybe that could be interesting, but... You remember when Gray Davis was recalled, and the crux of that, the California folks were upset because there were rolling blackouts and brownouts. Yes. And what was that, 20 years ago? Yep. Yep. So here we are with all this great technology, all these smartphones, Silicon Valley, all these great things, all these literal hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars spent on technology, and California is exactly in the same place now well, wait, worse than it was 20 years ago. And why is that, Rodney? Well, it's the same thing that you mentioned we talk about on the show, and that's teaching people why they have high utility demand. You see, it's the consumption that determines and drives the need for the product, whether it's corn, soybeans, or electricity. It's no different. They're commodities. They are created and they are consumed. And unlike corn or soybeans, electricity basically needs to be used when it's produced. So it creates another dynamic. And that dynamic is such that we've just gotten so, I guess, spoiled's a good word, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a good word. And thinking that, well, we just take this stuff for granted. There will always be more. And Remember, 150 years ago in this country, we didn't have electricity at all. We didn't have anything. And did you know, when we analyze and we get into these type things on the show, and they can listen to archive shows, and we have a lot of great guests on, and we talk about the return on energy investment. So people always think about 
well, what's the return on my investment? Well, I put money into an investment. What's my return? Well, did you know that 150 years ago, before, quote, modern era started with electricity, we spent personal energy, calories burned, okay? We had a horse or a mule. Maybe we didn't. But we could actually spend one unit of energy calculated in calories uh-huh. to get 100 units of return on our energy investment. Okay. Today, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And that was with our hands and our backs and our, our a couple animals maybe, okay? Today, we actually are at a net loss of energy expenditure of 10 to 1. That's so why now we have to, obese. Well, that's part of it, but... The, the conveniences, you know, we just want to get up, flip the switch on. We want to we want to set the AC this time of year down on 68, and in the winter we like it about 75 or 78, so we can kind of walk around in our... <laughs> walk around so, in your underwear. You got it. <laughs> Go ahead. You can yeah. say it. Yeah. So what happens is that uh, we, we get these bills and we go, wow, that's more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Oh, really? What did you think it would be? You used it. So, fortunately, a lot of people realize that we've got an issue. See, and you talk about this a lot, this idea of perception. When you perceive something to be the truth and you don't even question it, then that's the truth in your mind. That's your perception of reality. Sure is. Okay? The next step... And what we do to get to the level that we want to get to is something called logic. That's when we start to question the narrative, question the perception, and say, wait a minute. Now, now what, what's going on here, really? And then the next step above that is where many of us, you for sure, live your life, and that's at the critical thinking level. That's above logic. That's where we dig into the logic and say, wait, let's analyze this. Let's take it apart. Let's really dive into it and figure out why the why is there. Yeah, we deconstruct so that we can reconstruct. Exactly. And we tear it apart so we can figure it out. And then, see, people ask me all the time, so how do I make a decision? How do I make a decision? I said, you don't. You let the the problem make the decision for you by simply taking it apart and analyzing it piece by piece, and then the answer is already there. All you have to do is analyze the data points. Got it. And look at the problem, and then commonsensically, as I mean, you're the king of common sense in Arkansas for sure in my book. And so we have a lot of great affiliates around the country, but I love being on with you because I know your history and I've known you for a while and I know what you do and what you teach people and how you get them to... You wake them up. You wake them up. Try to. And, but when it comes to energy, see, people don't realize it's called the petrodollar. Okay, in 71, Nixon went off the gold standard. We went on to something called the petrodollar. Mm, Yes. It's backed by petroleum. What's petroleum? That's oil. That's the oil industry. That's, quote, the energy industry. See, people do not understand that energy is the underpinning of the entire economic system of the country. All right. Hold your thought right there. That's a great place to stop and a good place to start 
when we come back. Got to get a break in. Rodney Leatherman is my guest. Uh, Rodney, you're on here on Saturdays at what time? We're there on one afternoon, Saturday, one in the afternoon. Okay. If people want to get into what uh, the information is that you're offering, you have a website, and where is that? That's the show site. It's Drop Your Energy Bill. DropYourEnergyBill.com. All right. Keep that all in mind. Stay with us. We'll come back. Rodney, you know, before the end of the show, he'll have some direct things that you can do to help make your energy bill go down. We're going to talk about that uh, as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. As you know, I talk about saving money all the time because my favorite four-letter word that starts with F is free. We'll be back with more here on Dave Ellswick Show. 17 after 7, traffic weather news coming up on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, our guest, Rodney Leatherman, here on the Dave Ellswick Show here on Saturdays here on The Answer 1. Listen in on uh, that show so you can learn how to save yourself money every Saturday. I'm going to give you an opportunity to listen to Rodney today, and he'll tell you how you can save money here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, This guy knows more about AC and uh, heating or HVAC, as they like to say it in the industry, uh, in his little fingernail on his little uh, little toe than most of us know in our whole body and and we'll get into some of that as we go along and because of that knowledge he's going to tell you how you can save some some dollars you just left uh, talking about the petrodollar and uh, for everybody who wants us to leave from fo- fossil fuels it ain't going to happen because our dollar is tied to the petrodollar And the Chinese, by the way, are working very hard to become the petrodollar of choice. And we got to keep that from happening. But that's another issue at another time. Rodney, back to you. Uh, Why is that important for everybody to know? Well, you have to understand that the economy, as we perceive it, as we think it exists, remember the perception thing, We think it's just some kind of thing floating out there. Like a lot of people think about most things, it's what solar, for example, or sustainable things or renewable things, or these things sound really good and they sound fine, but when you start thinking about them logically, and then when you go to the next step of critically thinking through them, some of these things just don't make sense. And when it comes to energy, without oil... You see, people say, well, why don't we just go renewable? California, having these blackouts going now, right now as we speak, millions of people out there. They have to import, Dave, into the state of California 25% of all their energy from outside the state. They can't even produce. Let me stop you. Okay, so there's there's the, uh, the operative word here. They can't produce... Mm-hmm. enough energy for their state because you know it's not like arkansas where you got natural gas uh, uh places that are churning out energy uh, they're they're at that point where hydropower air uh you know solar that's what they're putting all of their eggs into uh, their basket and it's causing them all kinds of problems well it really is and the fact is that You see, to make a solar panel, to make a wind turbine, to make any of these things, 
it starts with mining. What? What's mining got to do with making a, a solar panel or a wind turbine? Well, you have to have raw materials. Those yeah. raw materials still come from Mother Earth. That's, that's where they come from. Well, how do we get those? Well, we have to have equipment. What kind of equipment? We've got to have dump trucks and excavators and huge pieces of mining equipment. How do you make those? Well, we have to put them in foundries and melt steel. Well, how do we get steel? We have to mine the steel. And then these equipment pieces, these components, all have to be linked together, just like they've been done literally for over 100 years, using energy, and that energy is oil. You see, it's diesel fuel. It's kerosene. It's See, people don't realize jet fuel is nothing but kerosene, basically. Yep. Well, try flying around. In your jets without fuel, they're not going to go far. <laughs> California is a prime example, and I like to use it as the primer of where we're going in this country if we don't wake up and realize it's as simple as this. You're consuming too much. Now, we talked about the real cost of living, the true cost which is inflated already at 10%. And when you throw the currency situation on top of that, now we're at about 20% in real terms going forward. And so when we're consuming at the rate we're consuming energy, and we're not getting that return, now it's about 10 energy units expended to produce one unit of energy because we've depleted the oil fields, the oil's still there, but it's harder to get to. A lot of the industry is going bankrupt, so they're shutting in wells. We have less production now than we've had in 30 years from the oil well itself. We've got more natural gas, thankfully, being used to generate electricity because we have huge demand for electricity. Let me give you an example. How many people in California do you think have a smartphone? Just about everybody. Oh, most of them have two or three because they're so smart, right? Right, absolutely. So, so people think, okay, well, on my smartphone, I've got these apps, right? i got these cool little apps, right? i got restaurant apps. i got all these apps. Well, when you hit that app, where do you think it goes? You think it's just in your phone? You think the energy that, that powers that app just comes from your phone? Yeah, I need to charge my phone. Okay, that's a minute portion. The app is energized by a mainframe computer. Now, people call it in the cloud. They've heard that term, in the cloud, right? Up in the cloud, we've got all this just floating around up there. Here again, it's perception, right? It's just out there somewhere. No, it's in a big warehouse in a massive computer system linked together using huge amounts of energy. So every minute of every day, 24-7, all across the planet, all across California, all across the country, we've got people hitting apps. And every time you hit your app on your phone, it requires incredible amounts of energy. Well, if we're not producing the energy, and it's a commodity based on price-driven demand, and we're not producing as much, and on top of that, the currency that's being printed like crazy every day is going down in purchasing power, and the cost of living is coming up. Folks need to realize you need to quit spending money you don't have because one day you might not, no matter how much money you have, be able to buy something you really need. 
And that's what people in California are dealing with right now, the consequences of all those things. Now, I know I've thrown a lot out there, but Californians, by the millions, don't have electricity right now. So they're not charging their smartphones. They're not using their apps. They're not doing these things that they normally are accustomed to doing. And the biggest one that we're going to hit on is they're not staying cool because their AC units aren't running because they have no electricity. Yeah, it's kind of hard to cool your house if uh, the AC is not working. Just turn your AC off on a 95-degree day and see how long it takes for the warmth to build up inside your house. It doesn't take long. No, and, and luckily for Californians, in, in Southern California, the humidity is very low, but you take a place like Arkansas or Tennessee or any other place in Illinois, we broadcast all over the country. We're the largest nationally syndicated show of our kind, and so we get into the whole four corners of the, of the country. But So the, you're right, humidity and temperature combine to make you very uncomfortable, especially when you realize that this is a fairly new phenomenon. Our grandparents knew what it was like to not have air conditioning, cooling. But if if your listeners really want to have their systems looked at and analyzed for efficiency, my sponsor of our show locally there is Rude Heating and Cooling. I uh-huh. recommend they get in touch with Rude Heating and Cooling. They are phenomenal at what they do. And they, by the way, fourth generation family operation, and they put in more geothermal systems than any, in fact, than all the companies in Arkansas combined. So the solution to your AC issues and how you save money with the system you have is you've done bump the thermostat up a bit and stop the air infiltration, clean the filters, I mean, all the little outlets and switches all the way around your house. See, when your unit comes on and runs, you've got a filter there, right? You need right. to clean that filter. Why Rodney, does the filter get dirty? Okay, Rodney, i got to jump in and say, we'll, t- we'll get into this when we come back. But Rush is ready to go, and you, want, you don't want to get on the bad side of the Rush listener. <laughs> so you hold no. on, and we'll come back after Rush here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, we've been talking about, uh, you know, lowering your power bill, and we're going to get into specifics when we get back here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. But another uh, piece of uh, your home that you need to be spending, uh, you know, specific attention to is your roof, and that's why I always talk about PI roofing. Uh, Your roof is your final protection against you and the elements. Uh, because your roof turns around, turns away the wind, the rain, uh, the sun, uh, and the snow, and all the rest of the things that uh, hit on top of your house and keeps you dry, keep, helps keep the cool air in and the hot air out. And during the summer or during the winter, keeps the hot air in and the cool air out. So we'll, uh, I just want to remind you that you've got to keep your roof uh, repaired and you know, keep it in good stead. To do that, call PI Roofing. I've been talking about PI Roofing forever. Uh, PI Roofing, uh, their phone number, same, I'm going to give you the number that I call, 707-3551, 707-3551, or PIRoofing.com, and you will get treated exactly the same way I get treated. You call in with a problem, they'll come out, 
take care of during these COVID-19 times, social distancing and all that, but get your roof fixed. You're, they're your roof leak detectives. That's uh, PI Roofing, 707-3551 or on the, the web at piroofing.com. Our guest right now at uh, about 23 minutes until uh, 8 o'clock is Rodney Leatherman. And Rodney Leatherman uh, talks about heating and cooling uh, every Saturday here on uh, our show, our uh, station, 1 o'clock. And he's got great ideas for you. And, and in the first 25 minutes we had on with him, he went through why we're kind of at where we're at right now. He's telling you you can read a cautionary tale in re- real time right now by paying attention to California. You want to see AOC in in uh, you know active working? Look at California. That would give you the Green New Deal working right out in front of you and why it doesn't work. So let's get back to Rodney. He's here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Rodney Leatherman. Rodney, again, back with us. Thanks for being part of us and, and taking the time out to spend an hour. You know, I know that your time is precious, and we, ex- we really appreciate that you're doing this. So when a person decides, all right, they know they got to have an AC and they've got to have a, a heating unit, okay, uh, what are the things that, you've got to consider when you're buying air conditioning and a heating unit and what are the new uh, pieces in uh, the uh, the air conditioning heating units now that can save you money over the old the old units well it's great to be with you dave and all the listeners there we love being a part of the salem media group and everything that we're doing obviously we're on 101 the answer we're on the sister station there, too, uh, and that's live on Saturday mornings. And so that's an exciting set of listeners can tune us in there and hear things that they need to learn because you need to understand the information. If you don't do anything after you know, well, that's fine, but uh, most of you are going to be motivated to realize that energy is something you should not take for granted. And, you know, when you can't charge your cell phone and it goes dead, you go through this thing, oh, i got to get, you know, i got to find an outlet. How many people have you seen running around with their charger, yep. right, trying to find a receptacle? Because, oh, my phone went dead. <laughs> well, imagine if, like in California, your entire grid went down and you didn't have cooling or heating for two, three, four days, the stuff in your freezer's melting, the stuff in your refrigerator's spoiling, you're sweating, I mean, you can't use your phone, I mean, ah, what are you going to do? Well, yeah, no it's TV, about consumption. no radio, no nothing. Yeah, no programming. <laughs> yeah. I heard a, a, a guy say, this is funny, i got to throw this in there, he, they were interviewing an Amish guy, right, about this whole thing that's going on with this stuff. And, and they said, uh, sir, sir, we understand that you've had no cases in the community. There, there's been no cases. <laughs> He's like, that's correct. And, and the, the gal said, well, how could that be? How, I mean, how is that possible? You have no cases. He said, we don't watch TV. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I understand exactly what you're saying. People take for granted they're going to wake up in the morning, they're going to flip a switch, and their lights are going to come on, their air conditioning is run all night, kept them nice and cool, they're going to go yep. in, turn the faucet, you're going to have clean water, you're going to get yep. in your car, if you've got uh, your gas, you're going to be able to drive where you want to go. There, You know, everybody who's listening to this show, you won the greatest lottery that's uh, available. You won the lottery of being born in the United States of America. That is amazing. It really is. And, you know, it's, it's the history of this country. If people would go back and look, as I mentioned in our first segment, 150 years ago, we didn't have electricity. And the work of the people got a return of 100 to 1 on their energy expenditure investment. Now we're right. spending 10 units of energy to get one unit of energy generated. So it's going the wrong way and it's going there dramatically. And now the idea is, well, we can grab and create these, quote, green sustainable things. And that's the solution. In fact, in California, they've come out now and just doubled down on their, well, we're going to be net zero by 2050. Yeah, we're going to be net zero by 2050. Well, I was involved with net zero at the conception at the beginning of it back 20 years ago. And they're not going to be net zero by 2050. It's just like anything else. Unless you address the problem, you can't create the solution. The problem is not, oh, well, we'll just create more of this and more of that. Well, where are you going to get it? And where are you going to get the money? And by the way, these giant wind turbines that people have seen, to my knowledge, none of them ever have paid out, meaning that they've not made a profit because of the maintenance and life expectancy, the what? blade replacement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah, and and then you got to dispose of these massive blades, and they're burying them in the ground. That's what they're doing because they're too big to grind up and recycle. So it, it's just it's more of a precept, and frankly, all the money that has gone from the taxpayer pocket to create these things that really hadn't solved very much. So what do you do? What do you do now? What is it you can do? Well, when you clean your furnace filter, be aware that the lint on that furnace filter is a result of something in the air. Now, that air is coming from outside your home. And in the scientific world, we call it air changes per hour. How many times the outside air exchanges with the inside air is called air changes per hour. And there's a calculation for it, and we can help people figure that out if they want to. And we've got people we can put in, them in touch with to do that. But the reality is when you clean your filter, you're getting air infiltration. The evidence is the dust on your filter, right? Right, correct. So if you've got air infiltration, you have to stop the air infiltration. Under the net zero ready standards that we developed, you have to be around two air changes per hour. That means that all the cubic feet of air inside your home officer building exchanges with the outside air about twice an hour. The standards that exist today are somewhere between 75 and 150 air changes per hour for the typical home officer building. Hello? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So if that is occurring... Where do you think your BTUs are going? Now, 70% of your grand total of energy expended is for heating and cooling. 70% on average. 7-0, 70%. That's massive. So for the average 
home, $350 a month bill, you're spending over $200 just to stay warm and cool. Well, if you ask the average person, is it worth it? Well, yeah, it is. But what if you could, what if you could drop that by 50 or 60%? And you can. Now, maybe if you've got an older system, you want to contact our sponsor there, Phenomenal Family, Rude Heating and Cooling. I'll give their number real quick if you don't mind. Yeah. 479-968-3131. If you want somebody to come out and analyze and look at your system and, and help educate, you see, that's the key right there. You don't need to make a decision until you have enough information to do so about replacing your, and that's what I love about your sponsors because they educate your listeners. And then the listeners can make an informed decision and then decide what's best for them. You know, I talked about early, how do you make a decision? Well, you don't. You let the facts make the decision for you. You decide based on the information, and that will determine the correct answer for you. Every time, it never fails. Ever, never, ever fails. And if you do that, that way, then you're not going to have decision regret. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. You're absolutely yep. right. Yeah, because when it comes to energy, people don't realize, Dave, you do, but most people don't think they, that, well, it was 300 last month. Well, what about month before? That's 600. Well, what about month before? That's 900. What about the year? Well, that was 4,000. Yeah. What about 10 years? That was 40,000. <laughs> it all and, adds up, folks. And then you look and you go, I was talking to my son about this. It's like, well, you made this much money last year. How much do you have left? Well, I don't have any left. It's like, what? You have no money left? Uh, well, because I spent it all. Oh, see? Yeah. So with energy, with, with energy, you have to regenerate it. Once it's used, it's gone. You have to generate more. You have to purchase more. So the only solution for California, the only answer for Arkansans, the only answer, period, is to use less, meaning you spend less money. And here's the great part about it. Not only do you save money, but you actually end up being more comfortable when you do these things. Air infiltration causes something called stratification. Stratification is the layering of air Temperature pockets inside the home officer building. Cold on the floor, hot on the ceiling, right? Everybody's experienced that. Drafts across the floor, right? Right. That's all because of air infiltration. How does that affect the heating and cooling? Because you're exchanging outside air with the inside condition BTUs. There's also a BTU. Yep. We We got to get our final break in. Let's do that. And then when we come back, I'll let you uh, finish up on explaining about how this is all making your heating and cooling bill more expensive. We'll do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Rodney Leatherfield is with us. He's with us to the top of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, it's 6 o'clock hour today. I'll have Christy Starr on. We're talking about the Pulaski County Elections uh, uh, Commission and uh, the county clerk's office, and some questions about what's going on with absentee ballots. That's coming up in the future of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get to our final segment here with Rodney Leatherman. You hear him every Saturday at 1. Make sure you don't miss his program because you're going to learn some interesting facts. So let's cut to the chase here. 
Rodney, how can people, with all the, the, the foundational information you've given them, lower their heating or cooling bills now? Are you there, Rodney? Some, yes, sir. Okay. By, all right, we by, got you. Go ahead. Yep. By cleaning the filters, that's your furnace filter, you'll save up to 10% per month on heating and cooling. On average, we're talking about 20 bucks a month, okay? Just by cleaning right. that filter on a regular basis. If you clean your dryer filter, it would be nice to do it every time you put a load in, but if you'll do it twice a load, you'll save another 20% on drying your clothes. Many people dry their clothes in a machine now. My grandparents hung them outside on a line. <laughs> That's right. But now we pop it in a machine and hit a button and go, well, we'll come back when it buzzes. <laughs> yeah. All this True. uses energy, you see. So if we'll clean the filters, that air can flow through there. And remember, where does the air come from? It comes from outside. People don't think if that dryer had no air around it, it could not circulate air through it. So it couldn't work. That air is being pulled from the outside, so you need to go to every outlet and every switch and seal those. Then you caulk and seal around windows and doors and baseboards. This is elementary 101 stuff here. costs you very little or no money to do, and you can do this. It's simple and easy to do. Next thing, water heating. You realize that up to 25% of all your energy expended is for heating water. For mm-hmm. heating water. So right. there's things you can do with the water heater. Costs nothing to do this. Find the breaker for your water heater if it's electric and cut it off. Just go cut it off. If it's not electric, I recommend you replace your gas water heater with an electric one because it's more economical. Now, here's the thing. If you have an electric water heater, and you don't want to click the breaker every day to remind you that, hey, I need to save energy, then you can put a timer on it. You can get a timer. You need an electrician to do it for you. This is something, don't try it yourself unless you're comfortable, but you put a timer on your water heater and set it to your lifestyle. That water heater can save you half. So if you're spending 300 a month, 25, that's 75 bucks, so you're you're going to save 35, 40 bucks a month on the water heating portion of your electric bill. Incredible okay, so, savings. Yeah, let me let me stop you. If you do that and you change your filter, you've saved now $55 a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's 600 bucks a year, right? That's uh, that's, that's, that's that's a nice little money. weekend getaway. Yeah. You believe it. That's real money. And remember folks, and I know you got a lot of great sponsors on the show for tax planning and, and things. You know that you pay, people don't think this, but you pay your utility bills with after-tax money. This is money that you've already paid federal and state income tax on, and now you pay your energy bill. So really, what's the real cost of energy when you take out the taxes that you've already had taken out of your income? So, And then the tax on the energy itself. And next time I'm on, we're going to get into the carbon tax stuff because that's something that's coming. I know you've mentioned it before on the show. I know you've kind of ranted a little bit about these taxes on carbon emissions and how it... uh, But we'll get into some of that because this is a tax that's being proposed 
that's already on the books, by the way. It's already on the books. It's not been passed, but it's there. Trust Uh me, it's there. And it's already set up to go in effect in 2025 as part of this whole new progression towards green and sustainable and all that stuff. Now, look, I got in the solar business in 1981. I started in this thing in 1974. I've been around this whole energy gig for a long time. And I can tell you that what the perception of what you see here and understand is not the reality. And it hardly ever is, is it? I mean, really? I mean, that's, that's, there's boom. always cons to everything. <laughs> there isn't a the only the only pro of anything that has no cons, as far as I'm concerned, is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the bottom line is, there are always cons uh, on things that are going on in this world. Yeah, it's amazing that the perception is where most people stop. Yep, it is. If you don't go beyond the perception, you can't find the reality. All right, Rodney, before I let you go, again, you're on at 1 o'clock here on The Answer. You're on one of our sister stations live. What time, uh, what's uh, what's the sister station, and what time is the program on live? We're there at 9 a.m. live. Our producer, Russ McKinney, does a great job for us over there, and it's uh, 99.5. Okay. All the shows are archived at Drop Your Energy Bill, so you can go there and listen to past shows. You can sign up for what we call the .70 Club. You can contact us, info at Drop Your Energy Bill. We're here to help you. We're here to help your listeners save energy and save money. All right. Thank you, Rodney, for being with us. You have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you again a couple of weeks down the line. The Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, don't forget to join me at 6 p.m., as we'll be talking to Christy Starr. She's a commissioner on the election board here in Pulaski County. You won't want to miss that. In the morning between 6 and 8 a.m. in the 6 o'clock hour, J.R. Davis was on along with Seth Mays, and we talked about uh, the story that Jason uh, Tolbert uh, put on his blog dealing with absentee voters in uh, Pulaski County. I am very concerned about what's going on in Pulaski County, and you go, well, Dave, what are you so worried about? Well, let, let's put it this way. There are more. It is the ground zero for the Democrats. Pulaski County is ground zero for Democrats. That's where the majority of their votes will come from uh, in the November 3rd election, especially uh, when they start getting, we start getting into the congressional races and then local races as well. But congressional, this is where uh, Joyce Elliott will find a lot of her support. So uh, it makes it makes a lot of sense for us to pay attention to that uh, particular uh, area.
to make sure that there's no fraud going on, just as it is to pay attention to Faulkner County and parts of, you know, Saline and all the rest. But, I mean, you've got to make sure that the, uh, the election and the votes cast are legitimate. I mean, we're talking about you want to make sure that your vote, when you cast it, is going to be counted. And then you want to make sure that the person who cast a vote that could cancel out your vote is legitimate. So it's, a, it's an important concept to get in, in your mind and that we've got to uh, be sure about. So one of the people that were mentioned in the story was, uh, was Christy Starr. Now, I know Christy. I've had Christy on my show uh, before. Uh, she's a person of high integrity. She's, if I'm not mistaken, she's worked in the Secretary of State's office. Did you work uh, as far as in the uh, election process, Christy? Is that what you did? No, I, I didn't work in the Secretary of State's office. I actually worked at Plassey County. I used to be okay. the manager for the voter registration department. There you go. All right. Yeah. So, so you've been at ground zero for a while now. Yes. All right. So let's go back on this uh, 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 piece that Jason wrote. Evidently, there was a conversation going on between you and and somebody from the county clerk's office. Is that correct? Correct. All right. The position that you hold now is to make sure that the people that are uh, getting absentee ballots, the people who are going to the polls on a uh, on a day when they're going to vote and whatever, meet all of the specific rules and regulations that are necessary uh, to make sure that they can vote and that if they do vote, their vote will be counted as such, correct? Right. As election commissioner, we actually administer the elections. All right. So now you're going to be sitting in a, you know, kind of in the hot seat come November 3rd for sure. You've already been sitting in it with the primaries and all the rest that went on. But the bottom line is this. They started talking about there's like a 500 percent increase because of COVID-19 of absentee ballots that have been requested from the the Pulaski County Clerk's Office. Uh, They have uh, sent those out. Those absentee ballots come back in, and there's a specific uh, there's specific rules and regu- regulations about uh, whether an absentee absentee ballot is going to be counted or not, or that if you can get one. Why don't you explain all of that to my listeners? All right. Well, so um, let me back up a little bit. So it's actually the application that's sent into the clerk's office, and there's a separation of duties that's um, very clear in the law, um, and, and I think there's a lot of confusion in the general public on who does what. So the county clerks are responsible as the voter registrar. They, and, and they are, you know, they make sure that voters get registered, they push out voter registration, and they maintain that permanent record, and that is a permanent record. So um, when you send in a voter registration application, maybe to the Secretary of State's office, that is actually forwarded to your local county clerk. So they make sure that that is in the system. They check the maps and make sure that you're in the right precinct and that you're getting the right um, candidates that represent you when you're voting. What the election commission does is actually administers and oversees the election. So when you are requesting an absentee ballot, 
the that actually goes to the clerk's office because they're trying to verify if you are qualified to receive an absentee based on your registration. So the clerk gets that application. So this is just the very first step in the process of receiving the application from the voter. They're simply getting the application, and by law, they have to look at that application from the absentee application and then compare that application to your actual permanent record, which is your voter registration. When they look at that, they're looking at a few things like your date of birth, um, your name, your address, et cetera, making sure that you're actually registered and you're in the correct place. And then, of course, they have to match signatures. Now, our signature law is not very tight. Uh, Other states have very, they have, you know, certain kinds of um, restrictions around that. Ours is a little bit looser. But they're kind of getting a general idea, is this the same person? Now, when they do that, they're verifying this person, yes, this is who this person is. We're making sure that the person that sent this application for an absentee is the actual voter that's on file. And when that's done, then they're letting us know, hey, we have this many absentee requests that are approved. And then the the commission is ordering ballots. Now, we're going through this ballot process to determine what's on the ballot. And we're reviewing the ballots. We're certifying the ballots. And we're ordering ballots. We're sending ballots to the clerk's office based on that information that's been provided. And they're providing those absentee ballots to those voters that have been you know, deemed as qualified voters for absentee and mailing them or however the voter requested to get their ballot. So when it comes back, the absentee ballot, when it comes back to the clerk's office, there's a chain of custody that's extremely important. So there's um, lock boxes that are maintained. And as the absentee ballots come back, they're they are checked in, they are entering the system that this ballot came back in, um, and then they are put in this box, they are locked away, and we come and get those daily. So they're maintained and they're secured within the election commission. So that's, this chain of custody is very important. When right. we start canvassing those ballots, what we're looking for to count those ballots, to count that vote, is we're not looking back backwards. We're not looking at that original voter registration. We're not making sure that that voter is the person, is the actual voter that's sitting in that absentee. That's already been checked to, by the clerk. All we're looking at is the ballot that was sent has a voter statement. We're checking the voter statement with the original absentee application request to make sure that matches. The, the caveat in this is if the clerk doesn't check the voter signatures originally. It's pretty pointless what we're doing in the end. We're relying on the clerk's office to do their process so that ours has meaning. So that's kind of that process. All right. So let's let's stop. In this conversation you were having with this representative from the clerk's office, the whole thing about validating signatures came up. Uh, and by Correct. law, they must be validated. And uh, he was saying, like, uh, no, not all of them have. But, uh, you know, we think they're all one all these uh, uh, these people asking for uh, absentee uh, ballots should get one. Well, if you can't validate the the uh, the signature 
then you got a problem here. You got a serious. I love the name legacy voters. I I love that because be, I grew up outside of Chicago. You know what we call legacy voters? Dead people. All right, now that's <laughs> that's what we called legacy voters. So you know, explain to us. It seems kind of a lackadaisical. Uh, thought process on the clerk's office. Is that true or false? What what really concerns me is that we have a lot of, you know, older voters have been voting for 40 or 50 years, and and we want to make sure that those older voters are actually the ones that submitted those absentee applications. So my number one goal, and if you went back and you listened to that recording, uh, my number one concern was ensuring that we are protecting the integrity of that voter, that voter who's been voting for 40 or 50 years, that was my number one concern. Okay. They've been going, they've been voting for 40 or 50 years. And if you listen to the recording, there's a, um, the reason that there's so much shock in, in my voice and why I keep asking the same question over and over again is the statement made by the clerk's office is this, the vast majority, the vast majority of the 9,320 absentee applications sent in did not have signatures on file. Wow. So to me, the word vast majority is not what was printed in the newspaper on Sunday saying there were only 20 missing. Uh That was repeated over and over again. The vast majority of what they received did not have anything on file. I was really, really concerned about the voters that they where was where was the record? What happened to it? Why, why okay. is not anything being looked into? And what, you know, who, who is sending these absentee applications in on behalf of these voters who have missing records? Um, uh-huh. So to me that, you know, we need to do some investigation. What's going on here? So okay. that, that really raised the hair on my neck. <laughs> okay, so you, the, the, the hair on the back of your neck rises. we got yeah. about a minute and a half here. So mm-hmm. you come back at the, the person from the clerk's office and they kind of gave you kind of a blow-off answer, didn't they? Yeah, they no, they said that, you know, ma'am, we're going to count them. We're going to give them a ballot. It doesn't matter they don't have anything on file, and <laughs> that is not what the law says. The law yeah. is very specific. You don't have a signature on file. You cannot provide a ballot. That is the issue. All right, let's take a break on that. That that's it. This is important, man. We're talking the law here. Yeah, this is to make exactly. sure of the integrity of the of the election process here in uh, in Arkansas. So we'll come back. We we'll right. talk to Christy some more. We got her for the half hour. I promised her thirty minutes because I could talk to her for an hour easily. But we'll keep her on for just a half hour. We we'll got we got more to talk about when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, the six o'clock hour. It's an important hour. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Continue the Dave Ellswick Show, final uh, hour for a uh, Thursday. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think most important half hour of the show uh, that I've done today, because I I read the Jason Tobert, uh, Tobert Report, uh, dot com 
uh, article Monday, and I, to say the least, was over the top concerned about the integrity of uh, what's going on in the November 3rd election. Christy Starr is with us. She is a commissioner. Uh, she deals with the election process. She was asking a lot of questions. And, uh, Christy, you, do you feel you got adequate answers, or were, were you at that part that uh, you're, you're going, mm, not liking what I'm hearing here? I don't feel like I got adequate answers. And, unfortunately, after reading the newspaper article on Sunday, I'm, I'm really concerned that we didn't get answers at all because, according to the clerk's office, they they basically just dismissed their previous statements um, regarding the fact the vast majority of signatures were on, were not on file that there was just 20 missing, and they and they remedied it. But they never reached out to the commission to explain what they meant, where all those applications were, and how they magically reappeared. So I'm I'm very concerned. Um, I want to see what's going on here. I know the, um, I believe Seth and um, JR mentioned this morning about the RPA issued a letter to yes. kind of get to the bottom of that, which makes me happy because, you know, it's, we want to ensure the integrity of this process because we don't want um, voters to feel like they can't go vote. That is very paramount to this entire what we do to ensure the voters can go vote. So, um, yeah, I want to make sure that we get to the bottom of this and, and, and instill the trust back into the system, to the process so that Pulaski voters can vote. All right. So, you know, this is really important. People, have any TV stations contacted you to talk about this? No, and I've reached out. Um, it, honestly, I, I just, I, and I've been reaching out to media a lot. Um, I've created some graphics for getting out poll worker um, for the vote Pulaski um, for the election commission, so that's helped. But we can't seem to get the media to um, get our information out. But they, you know, people complain that they don't know anything that's going on. But you know, they they definitely share what the clerk is doing. But the the problem is the clerk does not administer the elections, and that creates confusion. And I just really wish we could get the media to kind of pay attention to what the election commission does. The election commission oversees elections. It's not the clerk's office. So information truly needs to come from the Election Commission. It needs to be shared from the Election Commission. If they would just, you know, tune into our YouTube videos or attend the meetings, that would be fantastic. And they do when there's a, you know, election night. But more, way more goes on than election night. So, yeah, we, we really do need that. And I do appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, I've had John Thurston, the Secretary of State, on several times, and his lawyers have joined us as well, and other people that deal specifically with the the election process here in the state. You know, I want to make sure that when you walk, whether you do it by absentee ballot or you walk into the polling uh, booth, your vote will count legitimately. That that's that's important, you know. This whole thing about we disenfranchise somebody if we don't have their their uh, you know signature on on file, folks. Sorry, that's part of the law. I, I would encourage I would encourage voters to contact the clerk's office and, and make sure they do have their record on file. That is something proactive that you can do. 
I do know that uh, Indivisible Arkansas, uh, LRCA, has been sending out absentee applications to 3,000 um, registered voters in Posse County. My husband actually got one, which oh is uh, surprising. But there was some literature included in that. And they represent themselves as a nonpartisan group, but they're not. Um, however, the literature in there was it has some scare tactics, telling people that, you know, if they get COVID, they're going to die. And if you go to the polls, you know, it's kind of something you shouldn't do. And I want to ensure voters that we have taken extreme measures, extreme measures to make the polls safe. So, of course, if you're high risk or, you know, you're older, you should absolutely vote absentee. And we're going to make sure that process is is has the integrity back in it that you can but if you can if you're healthy and you can go vote the polls we have so many options for you to do that we have expanded the options for you to vote at the polls so i want to make sure if you get one of those um, pieces of mail and it's a green envelope dismiss that information because you can vote at the polls safely yeah i'm i'm going to go to the polls to vote and i'll probably do it during early voting but i talked to john he told us you don't go get a stylus that you can use you don't have to even touch the screen and all the rest i'll wear my mask to keep everybody happy but i've been voting for 45 years christy i don't intend to miss i do encourage voters to vote early um i really encourage everyone to get out and vote early um, and boy, the long lines on Election Day, you know, if there's anything that comes up on Election Day, I just go and vote early. You know, if you need to vote absentee, absolutely vote absentee. You have multiple options of voting. And in Pulaski County, we're going to have 12 early vote sites that stay open on Election Day, and they're going to be vote centers. So that is another option for you. We have so many ways of voting. There's really zero excuses for voting in this election. So you need to tell your neighbor, tell your friends, go out and vote. You can get on www.votepulaski.net. I share information all the time on Twitter and Facebook. So there's really no excuses for not voting in this election. I, I agree. So what do you hope will happen between now and uh, I think October 19th. I think that's when early voting begins uh, or even October 9th when registration ends. What do you want to see happen with this? Are, are there things that need to to happen so that we'll, we can all go to the polls and all vote and know that our votes are going to be counted legitimately? I hope that the I hope the clerk's office will will show us that they do have the permanent records on file for the ten thousand of applications they received, so that we can feel very confident when we get those ballots in that we we have already had the verification process in the beginning. That's what I hope, because I don't want there to be a question. I don't want there to be a question later on, because these kinds of things can literally alter elections. And that is not something that we want um, hovering over us. We've had the Carolyn Staley years, and I just don't want to go backwards. <laughs> I want us to go forward. And I think people have kind of a short-term memory on these things. And Plasky has just a, has a very dark past. And it's, the integrity in our election process is so important to me in ensuring that our voters can vote and feel good about what they're doing. So it's, it's imperative to me that we are incredibly transparent. And that's one thing that I have been working on since I joined the Election Commission is having a transparent commission and a process. So I, I really hope that we can do that and show the show the, the citizens of Pulaski County that we are transparent and there is nothing here to hide. 
I've got to wrap it up. I'm out of time. I'll ask it at another time. Thanks for joining us today, Christy. I'll let you go, okay? Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Christy Starr and about what's going on in voting in Pulaski County. News is next. Back to the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock hour. My thanks to Christy Starr, uh, Election Commissioner in Pulaski County, for joining us. There's a lot of questions, I'm just telling you there. There's a lot of questions, and they need to be answered here by, you know, October 9th. If, and the latest date, October 19th, that's when early voting starts. So I hope that, uh, you know, Doyle Webb, the chairman of the GOP, will continue to press uh, the clerk's office in uh, Pulaski County about this. Well, Attorney General Bill Barr yesterday said that it's a false narrative to say that there is a, quote, epidemic of cops shooting unarmed black men, unquote. He said on CNN, I think the narrative that the police are on some epidemic of shooting unarmed black men men is simply a false narrative. The fact is that it's very rare for an unarmed African-American to be shot by a white police officer. Uh, Those shot by police officers are majority white. 52%, but 32% are black, though African-Americans make up 13% of the population, according to findings from the National Institutes of Health. Most victims, 83%, were found to be armed. However, black victims were more likely to be unarmed, 14.8%, than white, 9.4%, or Hispanic, 5.8% victims. Since 2015, black Americans have been killed by police at a rate of 32 per million, and white Americans have been killed at a rate of 13 per million. That's according to the Washington Post database. Uh, Neither report divulged details on the race of officers who shoot unarmed citizens. Barr has repeatedly pushed back on the narrative of systemic racism within police departments as protesters across the country demand change. Barr, in a House meeting in July, said it was understandable that African Americans harbor distrust towards the police and acknowledged perceptions. There's that word that we talk about all the time here on the show, perceptions of bias during police encounters. And, and why might that be? Could it be that the media in America, if a officer kills a black uh, man, uh, does, you know, countless hours of, uh, of covering of, that, of, of that, uh, that shooting where they don't on other men? And if it's a white police officer shooting a black person, they ramp it up even more. I mean, if you turn on the news, you know, to be honest, crime is down in America. Did you know that? Crime is down. But because when people watch the news, the only thing that they see on their TVs is crime, People think that crime is through the ceilings. Murders are through the ceilings. Rapes are through the ceilings. Now, there's, there's murders and rapes that occur. I'm just telling you they're not epidemic proportions. Now, I will also tell you that, you know, Dave Ellswick's rule of self-defense is if you can have a, uh, a gun on you, 
have a gun on you. Just makes sense then if something does go sideways, you have some way of uh, dealing with it. You know, better to have a gun than not need a gun. That's just the way I feel about it. I mean, that, that's the same thing I got uh, when I'm my my household. I've got like four fire extinguishers uh, in different areas in my household so that if, you know, something really bad happens, I've got something there to try to stop it. Do I expect it to happen? To be honest, no. But that doesn't keep me from taking logical, you know, logical actions just in case it happens to happen. That's, you know, that's what you do with life. You, you, you measure out the odds and you decide what, what you're going to do. Barr went on, to ta- went on to say, at the same time, I think it would be oversimplification to treat the problem as rooted in some deep-seated racism generally infecting our police departments. It seems far more likely that the problem stems from a complex mix of factors which can be addressed with focused attention over time. And, you know, I agree with the AG here. It's like, you know, you hear this, the people saying defund the police. Well, I don't believe that. Most Americans don't believe that. About 81% to be exact don't believe what we need to do is defund the police. Now, do we need to go in and look at what's going on in our police departments and, and, and make changes? Might need to. You know, we definitely never, never. Uh, uh, you should always be going back and looking, and making sure that you're doing things to the best of your abilities. So that makes sense that you go back and reassess from time to times to make sure that whatever it is that you are doing uh, is uh, going to lead to the. Uh, outcome that you want to happen in this case that uh, you know if anybody's getting shot uh, it's bad people it's people that uh, they're getting shot because they put themselves in that position but i want to give you those those figures again listen really really closely to this let me read these to you okay i'm going back in the story to get them for you I think the narrative, now the narrative is, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, it's Twitter, uh, it's uh, what's happening on the web, it's uh, what's happening on TV, etc., etc. I think the narrative that the police are on some epidemic of shooting unarmed black men is simply a false narrative, uh, Barr said in a CNN appearance. The fact is that it's very rare for an unarmed African-American to be shot by a white police officer. Those shot by police officers are majority white. 52% white are shot by police officers, but 32% are black. And, of course, what everybody says is, uh, well, understand, Dave, 32% are black, but our population of African-Americans is only 13% of the uh, population. Okay, well, you go in and you got to look at that. I agree. But let's go look at 
crime statistics and uh, where do the crime statistics fall? Well, you say, well, there's X amount of robberies and look how high they are in uh, white uh, communities. And then you say, well, what's going on in the black communities? And you go, well, it's lower than what's happening in the in the white communities. However, it's only 13 percent of the population. So the when you look at the at the figures, they're higher than in the white community. I mean, you got to go in and and do an equal study of this uh, to to be able to figure uh, if it is true that police officers are targeting black Americans. Seems to me that's that's not the the case. Those figures, by the way, come from the National Institutes of Health. Most victims, eighty three percent, have been found to be armed. Eighty-three percent, just like Blake. All right, armed with what? Well, he had a knife. He admitted he had a knife in the interview the police did with him. Uh, I don't know if he admitted that he was reaching for that knife in the car when he got shot, uh, and the police officer fired seven times uh, when he was. I don't know what if the police officer. And this is the case here. We don't know the, all the facts. We don't know if the police officer so, told them, don't reach for that knife. Don't reach for that knife. And then he reached for the knife and he ended up getting shot. And people say, well, if you shoot him once, that should be en- enough. You know, I don't know how many videos I've watched. Let's, let's consider, first of all, that Blake had already been tasered twice. He had already wrestled with the police and was able to disengage and get away from them. So there's a lot going on in this situation. Uh, does the, the guy need to be shot seven times? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. Here's what I do know. He was tasered twice. He was out on a a, a, a warrant for sexual assault. So he's a dangerous uh, character. Uh, he fought with the officers, and when he was, when they were in the car, there was a knife, and he was reaching for the knife, and the police officer shot him. That's what happened. Eighty-three percent of victims who are shot by the police are armed. However, black victims were more likely to be unarmed. Fourteen point eight percent. But when you're talking about millions of people. Keep in mind, we're talking about small numbers here. And cons- and consider in your own mind as best you can what kind of pressures a um, officer is under when he's out on the street. I mean, a police officer wants to go back to his family just as much as you want to go back to your family if you're not a police officer. And if somebody reaches for a knife and you have to use, uh, you know, lethal force, you're probably going to use lethal force if it means it keeps you from being uh, stabbed or shot or whatever. So I tend to feel like 
it's not a uh, foregone conclusion when you hear about a shooting by a police officer that it is uh, always the police officer's fault. Now, there have been some cases that we have seen police officers literally, and I'm going to use a uh, kind of a, uh, a word that uh, sets things on fire, uh, assassinate people. Uh, that happened, I forget what it was, in North Carolina, South Carolina, when the officer literally walked behind the person uh, and shot them uh, in the back and killed them. There were, that person's in jail now. Listen to me closely. That person is in jail now on death row. Justice was served after the fact. He killed somebody. He's paying for his crime right now as he sits in a jail cell. And uh, it's, it's not the, uh, the fault of the justice system. Uh, that uh, he's been sitting there for so long. That's the part. That's the problem with the court system. All right, let's get a break here. We'll come back. More to talk about. One last segment of the six o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick show. You got to use a little bit of common sense when you're talking about this issue. There's a lot. It is a complex issue. Dave Ellswick show. More in just a moment. Segment today. On the uh, the Dave Ellswick show here in the six o'clock hour, uh, the Attorney General uh, got into it with Wolf Blitzer on CNN talking voter fraud. Now I'm going to do a show here in the near future, uh, before October 9th, but you know probably before the end of September, about this whole mail-in uh, voting controversy that's going on. You know Jimmy Carter and James Baker. Uh, had a commission together uh, and uh, wrote up an article about this uh, years ago saying that mail-in voting w- was was prone to fraud and abuse. Now, Jimmy Carter has changed his uh, tune about that because the Democratic Party uh, is wanting to do mail-in voting and want to do it on a grand scale. Uh, and I just it, it's going to lead to all kinds of voter fraud. But the attorney general was on uh, CNN and he dismantled uh, Wolf Blitzer. Uh, and uh, they were talking about universal mail-in in voting. Here's what the AG had to say. Quote, Wolf, this is sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission that I was just talking about, chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker, said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is, in their own words, fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion, unquote. Now, Wolf was with him, uh, and he tried to to interrupt him, and, and Barr said, let me talk. Since that time... There have been in the newspapers and networks academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have been found to have substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas 1,700 ballots collected from people who could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. That kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, unquote. 
Uh, Blitzer pushed back then by continuing to advance Democratic talking points, claiming that, quote, we haven't seen widespread fraud. And Barr said, quote, well, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. Now, now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People who should get them don't get them, which has been one of the major complaints in states that have tried this in municipal elections. And people who get them are not the right people. There are people who have been replaced by the previous occupant, and they can make the ballot out, and sometimes multiple ballots come to the same address with several generations of occupants. Do you think that's a way to run a vote? Barr asked Blitzer. Barr continued, it's playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country right now. And people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this methodology, which is a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, as uh, you know, Barr showed uh, with uh, the report from Jimmy Carter, James Baker, and countless other reports that have done by newspapers, TV stations, and academia, is reckless and dangerous. And people are playing with fire and something to keep in mind so uh, need to just need to be uh, cognizant of this Uh, we don't have a way to do mail-in balloting with any certainty that it's going to be a legitimate election and until you can give me uh, at least a, a good chance of legitimacy, I don't want to go there. All right, so I make my promise to you here before we get to the election that I'm going to do a show on just mail-in voting. I'll get Von Spaksky. Uh, Uh, from uh, the Heritage Foundation to come on, and we'll talk about that Carter and Baker Commission. We'll talk about what they found, and you're going to be stunned when you hear about it. Uh, You may not even have known it existed. Uh, It's just started to be brought up again, and it needs to be brought up because we need to consider all the things that that commission said. That's the reason you put commissions together. You have them put together uh, all the thoughts of all of the, quote, smartest people in the room, so to speak, and uh, decide whether you want to do something or not. Now, you can decide to let the commission say what they want to say and then say, nah, not going to follow that. I mean, that's happened after we had the 911 commission and all the different things that they talk about, about tightening the border and all of that. Uh, politicians haven't followed that. So you got to figure, well, are they going to follow uh, a commission that's talking about uh, voting rights? But this is one of your most uh, dear civics duties that you do. I hope that you vote. It's your way to be, uh, you know, 
active in the electoral process and in the process of seating a government. And uh, I hope that you do that. I hope you don't sit back and say it's just a hassle. I'm not going to go. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm disenfranchised. Yada yada yada. Hope that you get out there, uh, and you vote. But let's make sure that when we have our elections, we know that there is. Uh, they, they have the chance of, of being a clean vote, so to speak. All right, what do we want to talk about at the very end of the, the show today? Uh, there's 5 million new gun owners. So let me give you a reason why gun sales are just going through the rooftops. Uh, you know, you got all kinds of stuff happening right now uh, as, as far as... Uh, People are watching the news and whatnot. And uh, gun sales are shattering the records here in, in, in 20, uh, 2020. Uh, that's, that's the key that you've you got to st- keep in mind. And, and the reason that uh, that's, that's happening is because, one, perception. A lot of people think there's more crime going on than there is. Uh, but... They believe in self-defense. That's what they believe in. And because of that, they should be able to have a gun. It's a great equalizer. Smith & Wesson equalized the West. It's equalizing things even now. All right, we're done for today. Back with you tomorrow. Good friend of mine, Whitney Davis, in the first hour. Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett, and Matt Smith, the final hours of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Friday.